Hello, my name is Derek Weyrush. I'm the president and CEO of Palladium One Mining. Joining me today is Neil Pettigrew, our vice president of exploration and also a director of the company. Palladium One is a company that is uh, advancing uh, two projects, one in Finland and one in uh, Canada. We are seeking uh, base metals, uh, copper and nickel, as well as PG mineralization. We have two very exciting projects, and Neil happens to be at our Ontario Tyco project uh, as we speak. Hi, hi, Neil. Well, first of all, th thanks, Derek. And, and, and hi, Neil. You're on the ground with, I, I imagine, a selfie stick. Uh, I, thankfully, it's not midwinter there. And uh, you were able to show us around a little bit. So welcome to the show. How are you? Oh, very good. I'm glad to be joining you here. And uh, as you mentioned, yeah, we're right on site and uh, actually a beautiful day out here, um, which is nice. Just a few bugs, but uh, that's par for the course. Very good, very good. Hey, look, um, we're going to focus today on, on um, Tyco, the, the copper nickel um, project up by Thunder Bay. Um, so, well, how, how long have you been? How long has the site, the, the, the camp been established, the site been established, and you know, what have you actually got there? So, this camp here was uh, actually built in January of this year. So, this is what we call our bulldozer camp, and this was a new camp that we built uh, for just this year's exploration. Um, before, we had been focused primarily on our Smoke Lake discovery, which we won the prospectors. Uh, Discovery of the Year for the Northwest Ontario. Um, and that is about 10 kilometers to the east of me right now. And so this camp was built to service the entire property. And uh, as you can see here, we'll just give a brief walk around. I mean, a fair size operation. And this is fairly typical of a, you know, Northern Ontario type prospector tent camp, something you would have seen at Noront in the early days, right? With Discovery of the Eagle Zone. And so, so yeah, this is a uh, this is pretty nice. I spent a great deal of my career in these type of camps and uh, feel quite at home. Right, and so I know there's there's some drilling going on at the moment. Um, you know, and you you're sort of you're hitting hitting the the targets that you want to be hitting. So maybe you can just describe to us that the the process from January through to now in terms of you know one establishing the camp, two getting the drills up there, permits, permissions, relations with locals, et cetera? Yeah, so the, uh, we have a good relationship with the local First Nations. And, uh, you know, permits do take a bit longer these days. Uh, you know, we took about uh, eight, nine months per permit, but we've always gotten our permits on Tyco. Uh, currently, we have three out of the five permits to drill on the property, and we're hoping to get those other two shortly. Um, but we've been drilling away here now for, um, I guess it's approaching two months. And, uh, you know, no problems in that regard. In fact, that's one of the beauties of this project is that it is a year-round operation. So whereas, you know, you have a lot of fly-in sections that are uh, only in the wintertime, uh, we can drill Tyco year-round. And uh, logistically, as you can see, I'm standing on this very nice logging road. We have excellent access to much of the property. Um, you can drive a half ton within 500 kilometers of Smoke Lake Zone. And this really helps control, you know, the costs on this program. Within half a kilometer, I think you meant. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, so tell, tell us exactly what you're after there, because, you know, um, you, I think we've talked in the past with Derek about, you know, ultramafic, ultramafic intrusions and massive magmatic sulfides, et cetera, um, up at Smoke Lake. So what is it that you're hunting? Yeah. So we're hunting for massive copper nickel sulfide. That's really the prize. And that's really what Smoke Lake was. And so the uh, Smoke Lake is a bit of a different beast. It's a system that's within a tonalite. And so the original mafic ultramafic uh, that hosted the copper nickel has been intruded by this tonalite bath lift. And that's had a few repercussions. It's compressed the zone into a bit of a sheet 
and remobilized the sulfide and in appears to have actually upgraded the sulfide. So we have individual nickel zones that grade over 10% nickel, not just nickel equivalent. And that's really rare in copper nickel systems. And so that seems to be a function of that remobilization and actual concentrations of the nickel and copper sulfides. We have these uber grade zone that's like... Well, shall we show us that again? What, what were we looking oh, at? Oh, that's just the Jenny set back there, actually. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, sorry. I'm one for boys' toys, so that's always exciting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so tell us in terms of that hunting process. You kind of, you know, you, we, we again we've talked about multi-line VTM anomalies, and I think we've had some questions yeah. in about yeah, ZTEM surveys, etc. So, what, what are the other um, uh, you know, d devices and tools and processes that you've been through in terms of identifying these targets? Yeah, so we're really quite heavily reliant on geophysics, and that's really helped us out here, and we've invested heavily on it, and it's paid off. So we've flown the entire property with high-resolution VTEM uh, MAX system, and we put uh, that release out. We had four new multi-line anomalies that uh, we are very busily working at testing. We've got permits to test two of them right now, hoping the other two come up very shortly. And I'm just going to take a little wander into the tent here, actually, because the bugs are starting to get to me a bit. But the... Uh, yeah, so the geophysics, we use a combination of EM and IP to chase our zones. And it has proven to be very fruitful. We've actually had a very good uh, rate of discovery on this property using those systems. And they are integral to this style of mineralization. So the copper nickel sulfide forms very good conductors, right? And so those conductors uh, allow us to target basically the, uh, the mineralization with the uh with the drill and today's technology we can model those conductors to within a few tens of meters and that's really something that's really only come about in the last 10 or so years to have that level of resolution right but, but tell me tell me well, well i mean that seems extremely accurate right it's going to improve your your, ch your chances of, of drill success but you're seeing these super high grades i mean you talked about you know nearly 10 percent grace i mean hugely unusual but what what else do you know about the ore body in terms of your chance of future success of continuing to hit those kind of super high grade stuff um and and the thicknesses of you know of, of those kind of feeder type systems that you're that you're saying okay so that's where we really are reliant on geophysics because we use the downhole to continue to chase it and so it's smoke to give an example we did multiple phases of both ground and downhole em and we were quite successful in chasing that out and then, of course, you've got to do the 3D modeling with the drill holes as well to continue to follow that. And what we saw was a very consistent sheet of sulfide in that regard, followed by disseminated mineralization on the edges. So you would have this plane, let's say, of busted up mafic ultra mafic, and it would have disseminated mineralization. And then within that plane, there would be a shoot of the higher grade massive sulfide. And chasing that massive sulfide is where we really employ the EM techniques. And Tycho... You know, just to back up a little bit and give you some of the history of Tyco, you know, it, when Derek and I came into the prop company back in 2019, this was the legacy property. You know, LK really was the uh, the main deal and still is. But this project had a couple of copper nickel showings on it. It was more disseminated levy. Um, it wasn't until Smoke Lake was found that we really kind of opened our eyes that this property can host high-grade mass sulfide. And then once that discovery was made, then we started realizing that we knew nothing about the larger property. This property has never been mapped by the Ontario Geological Survey because it's in a tonalite batholith. 
And the dogma at the time was, is that you wanted to be in the Greenstone Belt, so you didn't want to be in the Bathalus, so no one back there. Uh, in fact, the Smoke Lake Yem anomaly was actually found originally by uh, Naranda back in the 1980s, and no one bothered to check it out because it was in the Donalite bath. And so when we flew that VTAM survey, you know, we found those four additional uh, multi-line conductors. We went out and did soils, and that works very well for us. Smoke Lake anomaly really was confirmed with a soil survey. We got a highly anomalous nickel survey sample over that, and we got highly anomalous copper nickel soils over these other four new VTAM max anomalies. And so we have a very prescriptive method of exploration. We like to think we follow a very disciplined approach, which is you do the geophysics, you do the ground confirmation, then followed by the drilling, and that allows you to have that high rate of discovery. Right. And in and, and terms of the, 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 the okay, you talk, you're talking about these massive sulfides. Again, just in terms, we've yep. been talking 10% till now. With the massive sulfide, what, what would be typical? Are, are there any um, peers or references that we should we, we could look to? Yeah, I mean, the, one of the most obvious ones right now would be talon or, or noront, you know, in which case you have these feeder pipes. So these things, what we're looking at would originally have been a feeder pipe as well, or a conolith, technically speaking, but it's been busted up and been, uh, re, you know, we call it transposition in uh, geology, where you actually change the geometry of the original rock due to later metamorphic and structural processes. And so we have that extra level of complexity at our project, but we are getting a much greater understanding of it now that we know that things have been transposed into the foliation and radiation of tonalite, we can effectively chase them. And so the mineralization has many similarities with what you would see at Talon or Noront. It's just that we've had this subsequent level of uh, intrusion of the tonalite. Okay, so g given given you've got 25,000 hectares there, right? Yep. That you, you've got a decent sized land package. Um, you know, I think people are excited about some of the grades. You know, you've obviously been through a process to, to date and, um, you know, you, you've got a kind of, you've got an obligation to the geology, but you've got an obligation to the market. Maybe this is where Derek wants to jump in. Um, in terms of the information that you put out to market, some drilling happening at the moment. And I, I understand assays are taking a while to come through broadly in, in, in the region. Um, but how will this information feed through into the market? You know, what, you know, what has the geology been t team been tasked with doing in terms of the in terms of getting information to, you know, front off into the market? I show the market. I mean, I don't know if that's one, Derek. You feel more comfortable discussing, or you're happy for Neil to talk about? I'm happy to go into that. I mean, we are yeah. going to have results coming out shortly. You got to remember, there is a turnaround time in the lab, in the labs, right? I mean, we've seen a tremendous amount of activity in the exploration world. And the labs, well, they are not as backed up as they were in the past. They are still, you know, you're not seeing a four-week turnaround uh, these days in the labs, which is what they promised kind of a fair, right? So, you know, we are going to be seeing uh, results come from these programs. And, you know, we only started drilling, you know, about two months ago. We did have that press release out that we had commenced just at the PDAC. And so, you know, I am, turnaround times are not that much different than they were last year when we were drilling, right? So... The uh, the other challenge that we have had at this project really is the Smoke Lake. That is one of the two permits that we have not yet got, which is what we need to continue drilling the uh, interpreted extension, right? So we'd only permitted a few holes around that originally, and we hope that that permit will be coming in shortly. So, you know, news flow, we will actually see that picking up here as we get results back from the lab. 
Right. And so how do, how, does, how, do, how do those delays in the getting assays back, you know, change the way that you process? I mean, obviously, XRF is, is, is a possibility, but you kind of want to make, you know, decisions on the ground using as much data as possible to increase the chance of success. So how's that affected um, your decision making? We, we definitely want to look at it, but uh, you got to remember sulfide is sulfide. You can't always tell what sulfide is. Right. Even the best geologists would like to think they can. But, uh, you know, so, you know, you do use that as your targeting. But we also are hitting a lot of new targets. So we're moving quickly between targets, too. Right. And then we're going to follow that up with downhole geophysics. And so, like I said, there is a process we follow for this here. So the uh, there is control in the ground, obviously, that we use in order to continue to actively target the holes. We have ground hole EF crew coming in this September to follow up on some of our initial holes. And so. You know, the, uh, like I said, we do have a process and uh, I think we will see some of that news flow coming out in the near future. Following the discovery of Smoke Lake, you know, one of the first things we did was fly that VTEM program that uh, that Neil mentioned earlier. And our conversation, our focus right now is on these multi-line anomalies and getting those permitted and, and testing those subsequent to the, the additional de-risking that uh, we did. But, you know, that could simply be because the mineralization is shallower. There's quite a few single line anomalies on the property as well. And that could just mean that that response is weaker because it's a little bit deeper, you know? Uh, so we've got a, a huge opportunity on this property and we're just trying to take a very disciplined approach to moving it forward and uh, knocking off uh, various targets. And, Obviously, you know, we're talking about assays and, and to some degree, there's a, there's a little bit of delay. I don't think it's that crazy uh, at this juncture, but, um, you know, you, you, you want to wait based on some of the drilling you do for the results before you go back in and do more drilling. And given we have so many uh, excellent targets to follow up on, it gives us really nice flexibility to, uh, to jump around and uh, be more efficient with the, uh, the dollars we have. Okay, so you, you, you're finding good numbers in terms of the mineralization that you're reporting anyway so far, showing good numbers. Um, the market is bang for good news in, in, in a very sort of diff difficult um, economic environment. You know, we're in a sort of a down cycle near the bottom. Who knows? Um, but we'll come out of it. I think that, that I think that's a stan standard play. Um, we, we, we've, we've talked in the past, Derek, and I think we, I've been talking um, in the last you know, couple of weeks to um, CEOs of companies who are, you know, late development stage. And what they're saying is that the thesis for copper, the thesis for nickel is stronger than ever. You know, OEMs, automotive manufacturers are trying to secure supply for the next five, 10, 15 years, right? That, that's, it's, it's, there's, there's just not enough for everyone, especially when you, when you layer that with the um, infrastructure projects which governments are committing to all around the world. Um, to get into, insert yourself into that ecosystem, you are gonna have to come up with, or start to come up with these economic studies. So again, questions sent in by lots of people, when will you be doing a PEA on, on Tyco? Yeah, and I think that's a great question. And, you know, one of the facts uh, that um, is front and center in my mind is the recent news that the globe just uh, hit the 8 billion population mark. You know, there's fundamental demand, I think, across the commodity suite. And you need copper for pretty much everything, especially as we try and lift the lifestyles of lesser developed 
developed uh, regions to give that, you know, that Western lifestyle. So fundamentally, I agree with you, the, the demand is there. But quite honestly, with regards to Tyco, this is an earlier stage project, you know, as, as Neil pointed out earlier, the Ontario Geological Survey hasn't even mapped the property. We're really the first ones uh, hitting the uh, the property and testing it. So it's still a little bit earlier stage to start thinking about a PEA. And, you know, so I, I don't think anybody should expect that work uh, in the near term on Tyco. We have uh, a lot of drilling and, and exploration to do to see uh, what we have on this property and what the potential is before going down that, uh, that route. So we're still very much a, a discovery mode and resource creation. We don't even have a resource yet on, on Tyco. Uh, we're still adding. Yeah, it's really, if you compare our two properties with LK, which is a much more advanced property, you know, with about, I think, total over 40,000, approaching 50,000 meters of drilling on the entire property that has gone through three different resource updates. Um, you know, that is a, uh, a different beast compared to Tyco. Um, when Derek and I took over Tyco, it had two zones with about 16 holes on it. <laughs> you know, that was, that was it. And so we've discovered Smoke Lake. You know, we have these four other multi-line conductors, as well as numerous those single-line conductors, which, by the way, RJ, one of the historic zones, was just a single-line conductor. And so we're in a different mode. Um, we're in the discovery mode on this project right now. And that has its own exciting aspects. But PEA is a couple of years away at this stage. Right. Okay. So you've, you're funded for this year, Derek, and it says it in all your marketing material. So you're funded to do what you want to do for 2022, but you're going to need some to raise some capital. Clearly, you're not going to do that in an environment like this. Um, but at some point, you're going to need to make, make that decision. Um, how are you feeling about market conditions at the moment? Well, there's a lot of dislocation in the market. There's no doubt. And, you know, I, I just did a little calculation uh, last week, you know, our, just based on our finished resources, our enterprise value is around $5 per ounce. That's giving no value to what we have in, in Canada. You know, that's approaching the discovery cost of, of many companies. It's ridiculously low. So, you know, we're in a very uh, fortunate position because we are very disciplined uh, in terms of how we execute our plans. We have uh, a very nice cash balance that affords us time. Now, we are going to invest uh, the balance of our flow-through money over the course of this year into Tyco. At June, we had a little over $3 million. And we would hope to be doing, you know, let's call it circa 12,000 uh, 12, uh, meters of uh, drilling in, uh, in aggregate at, uh, at Tyco. So we're going to have consistent use flow. And I think we're just going to have to wait and see how the, uh, the market plays out. I think, and as well, I think there's a very compelling argument to say, you know, with so much um, a dislocation in the market and volatility and uncertainty of supply chains and, and therefore prices, et cetera, et cetera, how on earth do you actually do a credible economic analysis for PEA or pre-feasibility study or, or feasibility study? I think at this point in time, it's much better to be on the exploration part of the curve where you can control your costs that much more and control um, your potential dilution. Because once you start putting out those economic studies, people are going to say, okay, when are you going to build? How are you going to get financed? And the financiers are looking at this market saying, well, you're going to need a really big cost overrun facility, assuming I'm even willing to uh, to finance you. So I think we're in a very good spot. Uh, spot with the company and its its evolution, right? And 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 again, I don't know. I go over old ground, but you know the markets change, decisions change, um, which is that you you've jurisdictionally de-risked. You're, you're in Finland, very good run jurisdiction. 
um, you know, say, you know, quite a sizable, meaningful project, certainly in, in the PGA space, PGE space. Um, and you've got Tyco um, copper and nickel project. Again, it looks like the beginnings of something quite solid there. So in terms of grades of anything to go by, do you say we will have a portfolio approach to how this company moves forward? Is there any benefits or any pressure to spin out and maybe get some of value attributed to Tyco? Again, the, the question remains on the table. There certainly is benefit right now having two different uh, projects with different complexions on two different continents. So we're quite happy with our current structure. We're in a little bit of a quieter time from a news cycle perspective in Finland, although in, you know, we're like a duck sitting on a pond. The legs are busy underneath and, and you don't necessarily see it. And, and where we're focusing our effort right now in Finland is with regards to uh, getting baseline environmental studies ready for a permitting process and starting to look at the technical options with regards to delivering a project. That doesn't drive a lot of excitement in the market, but it's you know highly accretive and, and valuable work that needs to get done. Where the excitement in the market is and that we can provide is the, the current drill program from Tyco. So it's still very nice to have two uh, to have a balanced portfolio with projects at different stages that that uh, switch on or off depending on exactly where the market uh, is. And you know, we just added another project in uh, in Canada, actually in the uh, in the Yukon, the Canalask project, which is another one of these, you know, potentially high grade nickel copper uh, projects as part of a pipeline approach in order to provide us a uh, additional de-risking and optionality as we move forward. Yeah, no, we'll talk about that. I, I, I did say that. I just, want, I just want to kind of keep this on on Tyco um, today. So, Neil, for you, when's the, when does the excitement start? Because you've got to do all the heavy lifting and, and, and the work in terms of targeting uh, with your VTAM, et cetera, and, and all the kind of surveys that you, you, you carry out. But when does it really start moving? When, when does the picture become clearer for you and then hopefully the market? Well, once we actually start, uh, you know, putting out some of those results and, uh, you know, testing a few more of these uh, multi-lines, as I said, we have three of the five permits. We still have two of the permits, which are tying up two of those four multi-line targets. And so it's about getting out and hitting as many of these targets, not just the multi-lines, but some of those single-line conductors that Derek had mentioned. And, you know, finding out what we have, you see, this is one of the challenges that we faced at Tyco is when we made that discovery at Smoke, we realized that we had a project for which we know absolutely nothing about. You know, at, at LK, to contrast again, you had the Geological Survey of Finland, which does excellent work. You know, I already knew where the rock types were and, and where the mineralization essentially was. It was more of a farming exercise than a big game hunting exercise. Tycho's a big game hunting exercise. And so, you know, smoke was one of those big lions, and we think that we have uh, more to be discovered there. And some of these other zones could really come out that way. There's some serious nickel and copper soil anomalies on these targets. But, you know, we have to get them tested and then we have to get that results out to the market. And you're just sort of seeing the natural time lag that happens. There's a drilling phase and there's results come back to the lab and then we get this stuff out. And so, you know, that is coming to the fore here. And I think you're going to see a lot more of that news flow naturally coming out as we can move into the fall here. Right. So that is sort of how, you know, there's always a lag with that first hole you drill between that and the results in the market. And then I think the other thing to point out is, you know, given the the lack of mapping on this particular property, it, you know, there, there's a lot of work to do. And compare that to Noron with the Eagle's Nest. It only had a surface expression, I think, of 30 or 40 meters. 
That was it. Imagine that in a large property package. So it takes a little bit of time to, uh, to, to find what you're looking for. And you know that's why we have to take that disciplined approach to, uh, to going after it, because it could be something that's very hard to find, like that needle in a haystack. Yeah, no, it really was a needle in a haystack. You know, that, that, that anomaly was known for a couple of decades uh, before they got around to testing it. I mean, they were looking for diamonds and they were looking for EMS, and then they finally tested that conductor. Right. Well, well, talk, talking of Norant, then there's there's an interesting question in terms of the the infrastructure around you and accessibility to to nice site it, night and day. Yeah, I know <laughs> that's what I'm raising. It. So, so for you guys, that must be obviously one keep the cost down and and, and to make it a lot easier for people, you know, travel in, travel out, rather than um, having to build large camps. Yeah, I mean, we aren't reliant on helicopter. Norant, you don't do anything without helicopter. Um, you know, here it's about a six, seven hour drive from my house in Thunder Bay. You know, it is logistically uh, so much simpler than working in the far north. You know, it's much more similar to our finished project. Finished project has a paved highway that goes right through the middle of the darn thing. Um, you know, we're not quite that good. We still have about 75 kilometers logging roads we travel, but these are well-maintained roads. And so, you know, logistically speaking, Tycho is a dead simple project. Okay. Well, like, um, like, I appreciate Derek. Um, uh, thanks for making this happen. I wanted to actually take a look at the camp because I think it's really interesting. Site, site visits. Although I can't be there, but I'd love to, love to go to site. Um, it's always interesting to see the setup. It ma makes it feel real and obviously speak to people on the ground and sort of hear the excitement or not in their voice. Uh, so I appreciate you setting this up. Uh, and we'll Thank speak you. to you again soon. Thank you very much. Excellent. Bye bye. Thank you very much.